It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. One, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. Why have the Cowboys retained Mike McCarthy? Two, what's your favorite sport to watch if none of your teams that you care about are involved? Three, the transfer portal threatens to do what to college football? Four, how many streaming services do you pay for to keep up with sports? And five, picks of the NFL playoffs with the host of Crane & Company, on the Daily Wire, Jake Crane. Hey, it's the Will Kane Show at foxnews.com and on YouTube at Will Kane Show. And of course, on podcast, wherever you get your audio entertainment at Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcast. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Will Kane Show, a sports exclusive. Today, we hit five stories across the world of sports and make our picks for this weekend in the NFL with the host of Crane and Company sports show at the Daily Wire. And he is a movie star, one of the stars of Lady Ballers, the movie at the Daily Wire. Plus, it is Jake Crane, who I'm happy now to welcome in to the Will Kane show. He is a movie star. He's the star of Lady Ballers. And he is the host of Crane and Company at the Daily Wire. He is Jake Crane. What's up, man? So glad to have you on the Will Kane Show. Uh, Will, it's it's great to be on here, man. Uh, really excited to hop on and chop it up with you. Yes, you know, I, I knew my father would, would never be more proud than knowing that my mo- breakthrough movie was me dressing up as a woman and dunking on stunt women in uh, a basketball movie. But uh, no, dude, it's, it's great to join you. I always uh, enjoyed your work. And yeah, it's uh, we're, we're hitting it in all different phases right now. I'm feeling good about it. You uh, dressed up as a woman. You know, it's interesting. There's this this conversation going around about like when men are forced to dress up like women. I just saw that Ricky Williams was on Shannon Sharp's podcast talking about the famous photo on ESPN, the magazine, where he was in a wedding dress with Mike Ditka when he was drafted by uh, the New Orleans Saints at the time. Um, he said that Dan Lebitard, formerly of ESPN, talked him into wearing that dress that they thought it would be funny. But, you know, Shannon Sharp had Cat Williams on his podcast. Talk about how many times black men have been forced to dress up like women. It is kind of odd. I, just as a social observation, like, why? Why in a dress for Ricky Williams? Mm-hmm. No, look, I'm, I'm with you. Fortunately for me, the, the furthest I had to go was a bow in the hair. It was kind of the, the point of the movie was to make fun of that. We re- really weren't women, but we were playing against women. And right. I progressively got more masculine looking throughout the movie on purpose. But yeah, you know, I'm not I don't think I'm to that famous point yet where like now when you dress up as a woman, they're like, hey, you know, did you just get back from the Bilderberg meeting? And they put you in that like wooden owl that they set on fire like Nicolas Cage and Wicker Man. <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet. But no, it is kind of interesting when you think about it. But but then I go back and think about some of my favorite movies. I mean, Eddie Murphy uh, dressing up as as anything in general, but watching him do it. And, and I mean, heck, all the way back to even Mrs. Doubtfire, man. I mean, it's something that's yeah. been going on for a while. And no, luckily, there was no dress for me. Um, I did have to wear a velour, uh, three different velour suits uh, in the middle of June. So that was interesting, especially with some duck waiters. But it's man, that Cat Williams interview was wild. 
That was just, that was absolutely wild. I feel like it was so specific. It just kind of threw me for a loop. <laughs> By the way, you guys should check it out. Lady Ballers. It's at Daily Wire Plus. Um, it's a very successful movie, independently produced here. And of course, it stars Jake. So I wanted to hit five sports topics with you today. We'll do our best to make our way through them. I want to start with the definition of insanity, which they say is doing the same thing over and over and again, expecting a different result. The mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys have said they will not hire a new coach. They were not fire Mike McCarthy. In fact, there are now reports they'll bring back Dan Quinn as well if he doesn't get a head coaching job. Um, I have a lot of thoughts, Jake, but, you know, I'm curious what you think of the Cowboys bringing back Mike McCarthy. Well, uh, look, I, I do know this. When when I look at Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, and, and off, off the rip, I do want to say that there's multiple reasons why the Cowboys failed this season. And there's been multiple reasons why they have failed in past seasons, especially in the greatest team sport of all in football. It's typically never one reason. But I do know Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl. Albeit with Aaron Rodgers, who's 100% witch, but he does have a Super Bowl. I've seen him do it before. Jer- Jerry Jones, even though it was back in the Jimmy Johnson days, I've seen him do it. I don't have as much of a problem with Mike McCarthy as I do Dak Prescott. And it's for this reason. And the main one, it seems as though every time Dak Prescott gets a chance in a big game or in a postseason, he can never get over the hump. Some guys are just regular season guys. Kirk Cousins, regular season guy. Like, go out there, he'll put up good numbers, you get to the playoffs, and he's like Drew Barrymore from 51st States, he just totally forgets everything. And Dak Prescott does the same thing. But when I look at this organization, it also seems that the Cowboys play with a sense of fear and nervousness and tightness in the playoffs, right? It wasn't just Dak that cost him the game. The defense absolutely disappeared, right? Aaron Jones wasn't getting touched eight, nine, ten yards in the box. So when I look at at going forward, bringing back Mike McCarthy is one thing. Heck, bringing back Dan Quinn is one thing. But you're now going to bring back a a quarterback whose biggest accomplishment is winning 13 games as a rookie. You're going to bring back a quarterback that never won a championship in college, all right, has never done anything in the playoffs in the NFL. And at some point, you have to look at the cap space and what you're going to have to pay Dak Prescott, excuse me, the next couple years, and it's going to hamstring you even more. If Dak was really about it, Will, he would do what Tom Brady did. He would say, you know what, let's take some of this money that you're going to, I know you're going to have to pay Micah. I know you're going to have to pay CD. You're already giving me half the gold in Dallas. Let's take some of my cut and let's go put a roster together that we can win in multiple ways and guys that don't play nervous and tight in the playoffs. So I don't have as much problem with sitcom dad, sitcom dad, Mike McCarthy. I have more of a problem with Dak Prescott. If you show me who you are enough, eventually, Will, I'm going to believe you. You know, there's this thing that you have your immediate reaction. And and look, I actually have this debate with my co-host, Rachel Campos Duffy, a lot. Like, what is the value of your initial instinct? What is the value of your sort of your, you know, your your nascent animal instincts when you see something and it's your first reaction? Mm. And and then there's that that competes with, okay, let me step back now soberly and think about this and look into this. Here's what I'm getting at. Like, you asked me on Sunday. And I'm done with Mike McCarthy. And and I hear everything you're saying about Dak Prescott. And I'm not here to say you're wrong. I'm not. But then I start, you know, then I dig and I start and I read and I do what I do. And you, you come up with things like this. Okay. Mike McCarthy is um, 36 and 15 over the last three years, three straight 12 and five seasons. Mike McCarthy's career record, both in the playoffs and in the regular season is almost identical to Mike Tomlin and Sean Payton and John Harbaugh, head coach of the 
Baltimore Ravens. Each of them have won one Super Bowl. His resume is essentially indistinguishable from guys who no one talks about. Look at the dumb face on Mike Tomlin. Nobody does. But we take still shots of Mike McCarthy and we go, look at the dumb face on Mike McCarthy. And I start to think, you know, this guy, like if you really dig, is underappreciated. And yet I can't get over my animal instinct of seeing that game, Jake. It was horrific and it was a coaching failure because it was a failure at every level. Now I will tell you, same thing with Dak to some extent. There's no getting around it. Dak was bad. And Dak hasn't gotten over that hump like you talk about in the playoff. And then you look back, and I, and I follow all these guys that dig into the tape and dig into the stats. And, I mean, look, the, the end result of what I'm about to say is not Dak was actually good. But CD played bad. Like, he dropped a lot of passes. Brandon Cooks ran bad routes. And Dak wasn't as bad as it ends up looking. Like, on that one pick to Jair Alexander, um, Brandon Cooks ran a bad route and he didn't fight for the ball. And so like everything ends up on the quarterback. And I guess maybe I'm irrational and I'm always going to be there for Dak, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard to willingly cast yourself back into the wilderness to end up like the commanders and, and cycle through quarterback after quarterback, trying to find the guy who can do what Dak Prescott has done. Like when do you give up on really good in search of great? And my, and my thing on that, Jake, is like, I did this, even though we always knew he was great, with Dirk. We did it with Dirk. And then, you know what happened in 2011? It broke through. And Dirk won it all. And honestly, of, of the, the Texas Rangers probably supplanted it this year for me, but that Dallas Mavericks NBA championship in 2011 was sweet because of how much pain had to be poured in to winning that. I kind of think there is a story like that out there for Dak Prescott. Well, it will. Look, I, I'm rooting for the guy. I don't dislike Dak Prescott. I like Dak Prescott when he was at Mississippi State and the way the way he played the game and the way he went about his business. But you started this segment off with a statement that is very true. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again. How many 12 and 5 regular seasons are we going to see with Dak Prescott and the combination of Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones? How many 12 and 5 seasons are we going to see where it results in putting yourself in a position to be able to play a Packers team with a quarterback that, that just came out of the womb that yeah. really is still getting his giraffe legs on him. He comes out, and the whole team was dominated. But here's what I'll say. And the buck stops with the head coach. Ultimately, it stops with the owner. But the quarterback, and especially in the NFL, he is the main pusher of the product. You think the, the last five quarterbacks to win the Super Bowls, the worst one is Matt Stafford. So when I look at Dak Prescott, how many times did Tom Brady's guys go out there and run the wrong routes in big games? How many times did the Rams wide receivers go out and run wrong, uh, run wrong routes in big games? The quarterback is the one who sets the tone. I'm too afraid to go run the wrong route. We are too connected to run the wrong route because, damn it, this game means too much. And we haven't done it yet. At the end of the day, you either make the plays that win or you make the plays that lose. And it's not all on Dak Prescott. It'll never always be on one player. But when you make the money he makes, when you're the quarterback that has that star on the side of your helmet, it lives and it dies with you. And you keep dropping the ball at the most important times. And at some point, to, to your point, do you have to move on and stop doing the same thing? Does that mean it's get rid of Dak uh, alone? I don't know. Does that mean it, it's getting rid of Mike McCarthy or, or Jerry Jones, which is not going to happen? But this recipe together does not win. And it has shown you, in my opinion, it's ceiling. And let's not act like Dak doesn't have help. 
right? Dex had one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. CeeDee Lamb is a monster. You see what he's had around him. That defense has been constructed to make up for when they didn't play well on offense, which happens a couple times a year and always will. So I'm done giving Dak the benefit of the doubt. You're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. You're either going to put him on your back and carry him or you're not. And at this point, you've shown that you're not. So now I'm going to pay you a king's ransom and, and have to fork out money to, all, to these other guys and not be able to build this dominant roster that can actually go win a Super Bowl so you can go out there and go 12-5 and five and get, get run out of the playoffs in the first two, first two rounds anyway. I, I don't know, man. I just Eventually, you've got to break the seal. Uh, by the way, I think there is one more year. Dak will have to get an extension this year. He'll be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Mike McCarthy, I saw Kevin Clark from The Ringer say this. There's never been a coach that's been more pre-fired than Mike McCarthy. <laughs> He's pre-fired for 2024. Uh, like, in order for him to survive this year, I, I don't know, NFC Championship game at a minimum, I would assume, next Without year. Without a doubt. So staying on coaching. One of the things about Mike McCarthy, Jake, was um, whether or not to move on, was also like, what are your options? This is a unique year. Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh are on the market. And I'm just curious, like, do you think that is, we'll set aside the Cowboys now. Like, how unique of a situation is this if you're a team looking for a coach in the NFL? There will be guys who, they want um, Bobby, Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator from the Texans, or Ben Johnson, who's engineered um a great offense. And, and so it's always like the hot new offensive coordinator is going to have his place. But at this point, like you get, you get on your menu of options, the greatest professional football coach of all time and the hottest coaching candidate for what are we looking at now? Like 10 years running in Jim Harbaugh. Like, do you think this is a special moment where everyone should be gone? And by the way, Belichick's 71 and he's already among the oldest active coaches ever ever in the NFL. So I think it's legitimate to say, how many years do I get out of Belichick? But so you're the, the Falcons, you're the Chargers, you're whoever. How, how special is this moment in your mind where you have these two guys on the market? Well, it, it doesn't come around a lot. I mean, we're kind of seeing a changing of the guard in, in the NFL from a coaching standpoint, similar to what we've seen in college football and especially in college basketball. I mean, we had a bunch of legends all retire basically within a two-year span. Bayheim, Roy Williams, Coach K, and go down the list. But it's a very, it's kind of an anomalous opportunity. You're not going to get a shot to to be able to get a guy like Bill Belichick, who we've had the conversation. Was it more Tom Brady? Was it more Bill Belichick? They were both involved in it. They both won it. I, I, I kind of dive in into one side of that more than the other. But if I'm a team like the Falcons, I don't. I never think. I never th- uh, would think Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones would work out. That that just doesn't seem like at the end of the day with those two egos it would ever work out. So if I'm the Falcons or the Chargers, to me Jim Harbaugh's the most intriguing. Will and I've got a theory why. And I've talked about this for the last three years, even before he won the national championship at Michigan. I don't think you will find a more motivated guy to win a Super Bowl than Jim Harbaugh. And you say why, Jake? Why a bunch of guys are motivated? Well. If you ever grew up with a sibling or you competed with somebody growing up that was really close to you, that maybe even sat at your dinner table, it's one thing to win a national championship at Michigan. That's great. You can win all of them. But not only did your brother win a Super Bowl, he beat you in the Super Bowl. At some point, Jim Harbaugh wants to win Thanksgiving again, Will. He wants to win Christmas. (laughs) Hell, he wants to win Halloween. And every time he goes back for a family you know, engagement or whatever. He's got to sit down and Jack's at the head of the table and look at John, Super Bowl winner over Jim. Hey, congrats, congrats, Jim, on the college national championship. Man, is that cute. 
Man, is that the cutest thing ever. So if you get Jim Harbaugh, which is the reason I think he should leave, you can do no more at Michigan. You'd be going out on top. You're already a legend there. The one box you ha- you can't check and you haven't checked yet is that Super Bowl. It doesn't mean you have so to you, beat So John. if you're the Chargers or the Falcons and I'm you're going to get let's say you have the full options in front of you, you'd pick yeah. Harbaugh over Belichick. I'd pick Belichick um, over Harbaugh. Why? Why? Uh, do you mind explaining that to me? Like, what, what's your theory on why that? I would pick Belichick over Harbaugh? Mm-hmm. Greatest coach of all time. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. the Tom Brady thing, and I actually I give the pie chart seventy percent to Tom Brady, but I still have to give thirty percent to something that produced an unparalleled dynasty in an era of NFL football that was designed to destroy the prospects of dynasties. Uh, of course, the draft, but that's been around for a while, which is basically a socialist enterprise that says <laughs> the worst get to go first. Uh, but free agency, uh, salary cap, everything was designed to keep a team from building what the Patriots built. And to your point about like earlier, oh, you're not going to run the wrong route. That ain't going to happen with Bill Belichick. I have friends that have played for Bill Belichick. It's a grind. It's not. It's not pleasant. But for five years. And maybe it depends on who you are. Like if you're the Cowboys and you've got a lot there to bring together, five years of Belichick over Harbaugh. Maybe if you need to build more. Um, by the way, I think if I'm the Chargers, I'm Belichick over Harbaugh. Mm. If I'm the Falcons, you could talk me into this is a longer project. And so I need someone that I can guarantee will be here more than three years. Maybe Harbaugh. But I, I just I would default to the greatest coach of all time. And and Will, I, I totally get that. It's, it's logical, rational argument. But at, at some point, doesn't it feel like Bill's just gotten bored? Like, didn't the Patriots, didn't it seem like it just turned into Bill Belichick was like, all right, look, I've won six Super Bowls with the greatest cornerback of all time. Let me get the worst players and put them on the roster and see if we can win. He turned his D.C. into his O.C. The man's 71. He's either delusional or he's gotten bored at this point. And he tried to just invent ways to win. He did an unbelievable job of getting not mediocre players, but but mid-level players in the eyes of other people and going and winning Super Bowls. Like, it's almost now like he's trying to take that a step further. I just, I, I can see it. It's Bill Belichick. Look, the man's a football genius, uh, a football savant. Uh, that That's true with the amount that he's won. But there's just something about the quirkiness of Jim Harbaugh and losing to his brother in the Super Bowl. I just know <laughs> what it's like. As an older brother, I used to... I remember the first time my brother beat me in basketball in the driveway, and I swore it would never, ever happen again. There's just something deep and visceral and instinctual about Has it. Has he beat look, you this, again, Jake? Uh, no. Look, he can say oh, what he wants. Oh, I don't he's believe six that. Four. Will, he's six. I know his secrets, right? The dude falls for, <laughs> for more pump fakes than just about anybody. I've, if anybody can beat him, I can. <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask you this. Um, topic number two. What is your favorite sport, Jake Crane, to watch? That does not involve a team that you care about, that you're not invested in. And I don't count. You can't factor in betting and you can't count football. So if it's not football and you have nothing on the game and none of your favorite teams are in it, what's your favorite sport to watch? Well, that really kind of takes takes the major three out for me. In, in golf, it's an individual sport. It's not a team. And I'm going to tell you one, Will, and it's the best women's sport there is. And at first you'd say, you think volleyball. Jake's going to go volleyball. No, sir. Keep your hands back. Go the other way. It's women's college softball. I love it. It is such a Seriously? great product. Seriously. I will watch it. Now, listen, I I'm, I'm, grew up an Auburn fan, right? But I will actually turn that on and watch the Women's College World Series. So and Oklahoma is playing Oregon State in women's softball, two schools you have no affiliation for, yeah. and you would watch that over an NBA game. 
Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt, until the playoffs, maybe in the NBA, for multiple reasons, and, and we can go into that. The NBA is a bad product right now. It's because they don't care about their consumers, right? If I want to watch a bunch of people play offense and nobody care, I'll go to a Globetrotters game, man. I don't got to go to an NBA game. Yeah. But I would much rather watch Patty Gasso and those ladies get up to the plate and absolutely drop just mammo bombs. It's so much fun. The <laughs> I can't I'm believe this answer. I, I'm from <laughs> SEC country, Will. Florida has been incredible in softball. It's just it's a it's a fun thing to watch. Now college basketball a little bit different. Like I said, the main three, but professionally, I'm not watching the NBA. They could play an NBA game in my living room during the regular season, and I will go to a Mexican restaurant to watch the women's college World Series. How about oh that? Oh my god, mine mine is, and I I don't care. I understand this is not going to be popular with the audience. Mine soccer. I I if there's oh, no I team, I'll follow my teams in these other sports. But like honestly. Um, Detroit Tigers taking on the Chicago White Sox. Um, I'm probably not there for that. You know, if, if, if the Texas Rangers aren't involved, I'm probably at this point not there for that game. But sad, it's, unfortunately, I host a morning show on the weekend, but Saturday and Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., two random teams in the English Premier League, or even I'd even watch an Italian league uh Serie A two teams playing I there's something that's just very enjoyable about soccer to me it's it's relaxing I love the time of day it comes on in America mm. I don't know man like that's my favorite one to watch where I have no investment at all soccer well will will I couldn't have had that answer because I got an investment there I'm a Chelsea fan my friend so I, oh, I, I, will, I, will I thought watch. you just make fun of soccer I, I thought uh, well, you just I did in one scene of the movie, and now everybody thinks I hate it. Uh, my uncle, actually, I mean, we shoot, we've been watching EPL for for a long time. I like watching g- good soccer, right? Yeah. I'm not trying to watch, you know, what what we do over here, and we hang out and kick the ball around and call it soccer. Like I, I want to go watch, you know, I used to watch Drogba and all those guys coming up. I, I enjoy that, but yeah, I got a little bit invested, man. I'm a uh, I'm a Chelsea fan. Go blue. All right, I'm I'm sky blue, Man City. Um, mm. By the way. Quality soccer is you're right. I mean, look, I have boys, and they both are very into soccer. So I watch soccer at every level, uh, youth up to high school. Mm-hmm. But quality does impact it big. Like I, I watched Clemson. I think it was Clemson Notre Dame in the NCAA championship, and it's just it's fine. But man, when you see it played yeah. at its highest level, it's it's mesmerizing. Well, it's, um, uh, imagine watching that Clemson Notre Dame game in college football. That like that's quality soccer. Yeah, uh, not yeah. so much. Okay, so let's move. Topic number three to college football. So the portal mm. is 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 going crazy. You're a huge college football fan, as am I. And we are watching our sport. I don't want to be um hyperbolic or doomsday-ish. So I don't want to just gravitate to the word destroyed, but the sport fundamentally change before our eyes. It's happening on the ground underneath our feet as we speak. As we speak. Um, And it's benefiting my team, for the record. Like, the portal is benefiting the Texas Longhorns. But we're watching some crazy stuff going on. And, and Jake, Texas Longhorns guys are getting Lamborghinis. Mm. And weirdly, it's not weird, I guess, because of the coaching change, but Alabama's getting destroyed in the portal. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you Nick Saban retires and it changes the whole landscape. But but here's what I want to say to everybody out there that that like you and and I have concerns for it is worried about the future of college football. The on the field product is as good as it's ever been, and as long as that is the case, I think college football will be fine in the short term. 
Where it scares me in the long term is what separates college football from the NFL. It's Nothing. localism to me. It's not amateurism. People have been get my dad played at Auburn in 86 and 87. He got paid. All right. It's localism, not amateurism. Yes. You feel tied into a team from Tuscaloosa, from Oxford. This isn't Atlanta. This isn't this is that why do you think the Buffalo Bills have the most collegiate atmosphere out of any of the NFL teams when you go to a tailgate? Because yes. they treat it like a college team. It's a smaller market area that really I mean, my city where I'm from, Auburn, they depend on that revenue that comes in every year from college football season. And it's that local feel. And the more corporate that the NFL gets, and, and we see this, the, the less attachment to localism, and you don't feel attached to that player, that he may be from Kissimmee, Florida, but you chose to go to Auburn. And that makes us family. You lose yes. that feel. Because it's not like they got drafted. It's not like they had no choice unless your last name's Manning. Then you can just go wherever you want to go. But it's it's not like you sat here and had to go here. No, you chose to go here. So when we lose that and you can't have that attachment and that local feel to the players who are there for five years like they used to be, to me, that's what kills the breadth of college football. That's why I think college football is better than the NFL. That's why I think you're, there's you're, more passion for it. You're speaking my language, Jake. This is something I talk a lot about. I talk about the monoculture and, and, and what's great about college football. I agree with you 100%. I've always said regionalism. It's um, the the passionate disagreement of small differences like what separates mm. texas and oklahoma a river and not many hundreds of miles you know and that's what makes it great like that i totally agree with you and by the way um like here's an example like i love arches at texas and you, you said if a guy from florida comes up to auburn he becomes one of yours maybe in part but the truth is i bet jake for you as an auburn fan and for me as a texas fan I do feel a little bit more of an emotional attachment to a recruit that is from Texas. Like your own, yeah. I want a recruiting class and Sark is kind of going away from this at Texas, but I want a recruiting class that's 80% Texans. I don't want it to be 20% Texans because we got all these studs from California and Florida. And the answer to that, and the reason why is because of what you're saying, localism. Like I just want a little more investment in, hey, th those are our boys. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's where we're from. And I do think the transfer portal is going to erode that it is eroding that i mean and and by the way from a football perspective i'll put this to you as well i think it's dangerous it's going to put you on a treadmill because what happens is take texas they just took three um receivers one of them from alabama mm -hmm. and and um those three receivers are going to be near the top of the depth chart. And all these stud four stars that you got from across the state who are freshmen or redshirt freshmen, sophomores, they're going to start looking at a log jam and they're in the portal. So now you're on this treadmill of I've got to bring new guys in who are juniors and seniors every year to keep the position going. It erodes localism. It erodes the attachment to players over a four-year period. And I don't know. I just, it may ultimately erode high school recruiting. Well, I mean, it, you mix that with guys being able to play nine years in college football. There's spots being taken away from high school players, and you'll hear high school coaches talk about this. So not only are you able to leave whenever you want, not only is there no punishment from going here to there, up or down, left, right, east, or west, you can stay for seven years, right? And, and I would much rather get a Dylan Gabriel in, in year six as a quarterback if I'm Dan Lanning after Bo Nix left. How do you replace one guy that was in college football for 30 years? You get another guy that's been in there for 30 years. But here's here's what it boils down to, Will, and what you're talking about with the Texans. In college football, it, when we play each other, it's my way of life versus your way of life. Yeah. 
And that's the difference in my and, and having this merry-go-round and a non-attachment and all of a sudden one guy leaves and, and everybody leaves. How do you build culture that way? Michigan didn't win that way. How many times, Will, have we seen in college basketball a team full of one-and-dones win the national championship? That's not who wins it. It's right. the guys with the old guards. And, and I don't know how you build culture on a roster of 125 when you can leave at any point in time to go anywhere, and the first sign of trouble, you just bail. Now, I think there should be transfer rules. There are some that I agree with. I, I think if the head coach leaves, you should be able to leave with no penalty. Because with the new rules now, with NIL and all this and the transfer portal, it's never been a better time to commit to a person, not a place, Well, There's never been a better time as a player to commit to a coach and not a place. Because I can follow the coach around and go everywhere he goes. Yeah, Michigan, by the way, you, you know what you're referencing is Michigan didn't actually, they've never had... I don't know that in the past five to 10 years, they've had a top five recruiting class. They may no. not have had a top 10 recruiting class. Um, and that, it's not though they did that with a bunch of three stars, but development. They, yeah, development. It, by the way, they're about to get rated. Um, oh, once, Har- sure. once Harbaugh goes. And, and, and this, this is the, this is the, I'm a mercenary in the end. I want to win. So I, Texas needs defensive linemen. Okay, let's go get those Michigan guys that have well, no local yeah, attachment. Well, Will, Will. Because I want to win the he, SEC. We haven't seen this experiment run out. I'm watching Lane Kiffin try and build the team out of the transfer portal every year, right? To me, the best way to do it is you don't build the ship out of the transfer portal. You plug holes in the ship with the transfer portal. Hey, we just had a defensive end go first round. Okay, Tyler Barron, why don't you come on home? You can fill that need. So I just wonder... I've never seen this before in, in football, so we're going to see as we go on this. Ole Miss, is, Ole Miss and Colorado and Texas State, those are great examples of seeing if this you're going to be able to, to have success over time with, with that theory. Number four. Jake, how many subscriptions do you have in order to support your sports viewing lifestyle? How many mm. different apps and companies are you paying money to to stream sports? God, well, since I had to add Peacock because, you know, they just want to hold you at gunpoint now to watch certain games. I think I've got four. I've got four. Um, four different I already had Peacock in- because of you- soccer. So, so mm. I don't even know. I'm definitely, I'm Peacock. I have Paramount, okay. soccer base as well. I do YouTube TV for my, yep. my sort of foundation. Um, what else do I have for so- Amazon Prime? Trying to think what else I have. I've done Sunday Ticket. I've done League Pass. I don't think I have an active account on League Pass. So I'm probably in the five to six range. And what? Oh, ESPN Plus, because I have to watch Clemson out of market. My nephew plays for Clemson. So I have to have ESPN Plus to get ACC games and see that. So that's seven. I'm up to at what? 10 bucks a pop? Easy 10 bucks a pop a month. Yeah, I I think I'm at five. Then I, I forgot about the ESPN Plus. I do that because I'm a degenerate, and a lot of the basketball games I uh, I tend to put some money on aren't exactly on ESPN too. I'm I, like I'm big on uh, Vermont tonight. Feel really good about them. <laughs> the, the fight, Bernie Sanders. Let's get it. Vermont Catamounts. That's right. Can you do that, Jake? Can I do any school? Can you get it? I'm pre- I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Toledo Rockets. Uh, Rice, Owls, San Jose State, Spartans. They just got their coach taken away by Arizona. Look, I can do this all day. I'm basically like a human computer at this. Nevada, Wolfpack, New Mexico State, 
Lobos. Oh, uh, New Mexico State is the Aggies. New Mexico is the Lobos. He caught himself. That was a little wobble, but he caught himself. Oh, let's do this. Um, the uh, I used to do this when I was a kid. This is totally impromptu as well. I'm going to name a player. You tell me where he went to college. Okay. Charles Barkley. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Auburn. <laughs> Good. Keep it this easy. I'm going to look like a savant. NBA is going to be hard because so few of them either went um, or only spent one year. NBA's gotten to, it's got, it's got to be really hard, NBA. Um, yeah, I don't want somebody who went to college in like Hamburg or something. I mean, if we're going to do it, like, it's, I know it's with it's the foreign players. Well, I didn't prep this segment. So, um, how about John Stockton? Oh, John Stockton. John Stockton went to, I almost said Steve Nash in Santa Clara. John Stockton went to, hold on, give me one second. It wasn't BYU. John is Stockton Stock. Gonzaga? He, Before he Gonzaga, Gonzaga was Gonzaga? He is, he is Gonzaga because it was Steve Nash, Santa Clara. Correct. It was John Stockton, Gonzaga. I actually saw Steve Nash in the Santa Clara game where they beat Gonzaga uh, the other night. I always respect a team that can win in college with basketball lines, or excuse me, volleyball lines on the basketball court and their parents work the concession stand. Like at Gonzaga. It's unbelievably impressive. Uh, Drew Locke. Missouri. I tried to just throw a random quarterback out there. I had to pick an SEC quarterback. But I have a feeling I might not have stumped you no matter where I picked. Ben Roethlisberger? Uh, Miami, Ohio. Let's get it. Okay. So from now on in the future, I'm going to prep this, and I'm going to have to dig deep, see if we can stump Jake I love, Crane. Look, I feel like Will Smith in Pursuit of Happiness with the Rubik's Cube right now, and I just <laughs> handed it to you finished. Like as we get off the taxi. By the way, I bring up your streaming habits because Diamond Sports, which, by the way, uh, carries Bally Sports, carries all, uh, too many of my teams, the Stars, the Rangers, the Mavericks, is is um, in bankruptcy filings. It's it's impacted free agency in Major League Baseball. Um, and teams don't know how much they have to spend because they're not getting their money from Bally's. But now the, the note is that they're getting like a $115 million investment from Amazon. So I guess I get, I'll get my teams on Amazon Prime now, which is a win for me. I already have it. So... Unless they, they may a la carte me, and I have to start giving them more money in some way. But I didn't ever subscribe to Bally's. It was a problem. No, look, I'm from Braves country, man. I, I know the feeling. Um, here's what I'll say. I've got Amazon Prime, so I'm all for it. Uh, I don't think people realize, too, how many teams are represented throughout all the major uh, professional organizations, like through uh, you know what Bally's had. When you look at the map, it's really kind of sobering when you look at the amount of teams. But you know what? This is where I want to give credit to the Phoenix Suns. And yes, the Phoenix Mercury, the WNBA team that apparently plays also in Phoenix, where they're doing their stuff free on the air now. You know what I want, Will? And I know people are cutting cable. Like, what happened to the good old days where I used to be able, where I was, turn on my local affiliate, there's the game, right? Now, I, what they're doing to old people is insane. Like, if I, like my grandmother is 86 years old, <laughs> all right? 86 years old, Will. Biggest Braves fan of all time. This woman will watch every pitch of 162 games and call me in the middle of the night to tell me why Luke Jackson was the worst closer in the world for like two straight years. I love her to death. But me now she's got to figure out how to stream oh, the Braves. She's basically got to be related to Stephen Hawking to figure out how to get the Braves game on where she's at in Mississippi. <laughs> like, why can't we, why can't we just make this easier? So I do want to give credit to the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury playing their stuff free over the air. You don't have to have a subscription or anything. Uh, and it's sad. It's sad to be honest with you, but, Again, if you have it, the rich get richer, man. My name should be Richard. Uh, I got Amazon Prime, so I'm going to be watching all of it, Will. Strapped up. We'll be right back with more of the Will Kane Podcast. 
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. All right, let's, as our final story, story number five, let's you and I pick the games from this weekend, the NFL playoffs. We're going to do so with introducing to you something I talked about earlier this week on the Will Kane Show, which I've always been fascinated by the theory and the lessons to learn from team building. And it always does come back to our initial conversation, the quarterback. We laid this out earlier this week, Jake, on the Will Kane Show. You have three MVP caliber quarterbacks in Mahomes, Jackson, and Allen. Two of them have actually won an MVP. I think everyone feels like it's inevitable for Josh Allen. You have two young bucks in uh, Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud. Uh, you have, uh, who am I forgetting? You have, of course, Mr. Irrelevant. That's why I'm forgetting him. And yeah. Brock Purdy, <laughs> who s- sort of fits into his own category. And then you have two reclamation projects in Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff. So you have categories and models but they're all different. They don't give you insight into necessarily how to build your team for success in the NFL playoffs. The only commonality, Jake, is all of them but for Brock Purdy are first-round draft picks, which would lead you to the idea, draft them in the first round. That doesn't guarantee you success. There's plenty of first-round busts. But it seems to be a necessary, if not sufficient, ingredient to playoff success in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, in aggregate, for, for sure, it's it's just like in college football. We talked about the recruiting classes. If I sign a top 10 recruiting class for five straight years, the odds of me having success at the highest level are probably higher than guys that took a chance on a guy in a late round. You know, Brock Purdy is the anomaly. Tom right. Brady is the anomaly. They yes. are not the, the happenstance. So if you're looking for the best percentage, most efficient way to, to try and guarantee yourself as much as possible having success at that point, yes, going with a first-round exactly. quarterback is the way to do no it. No one but, should look at Tom Brady and say, you know what? We should draft yeah. quarterbacks in the sixth round. Yeah, see how that works out for you. Keep doing that. But when I look at it, to me, there is if there was one structure that worked and there was one way to do this, everybody would do it. It, it would all be the same. A lot of it goes back down, it goes down to how a lot of things work at the highest level in society, even outside of sports. It's about feel. It's about instinct. It's about relationships. And I think you have to have great feel as a human, be- human being, and that's half of coaching, to understand your team and understand when there is true leadership. That's why yeah. I talk about running the right route, running the wrong route. It has to be to a point where you are so connected that you're not willing to run the wrong route because you don't want to let that guy down that's taking the hits in that in the pocket for you. And to, that's why when you go back to, should I draft this guy? Should I not draft this guy? To me, at the end of the day, we can turn on the tape. I can watch Zach Wilson run around his underwear at Pro Day, throw it 80 yards, watch Demarcus Russell get on a knee and throw it from just basically be Iron Dome like over in the Middle East. But at the end of the day, Brock Purdy can work. Like you have to have feel and know when they get there, who's the right guy. So I don't think there's any sort of hundred percent structure or fail safe way to do so, it. So I love what you're saying. I th- like everything in life. There has to be a balance. For I- sure. I'll never forget when I was at ESPN, there, there were stories of some of these GMs and you met a lot of GMs who would make these decisions about who to draft based on like 
like the extreme version of feel, like gut instincts. Like I like, I like the way that guy shook my hand. And some of that stuff is important. I tell my sons to make eye contact and give a firm handshake. But I'm not sure that tells you that CJ Stroud is going to be better than Bryce Young. You know, so there's, but on the other hand, to validate your point, like baseball is the sport that's gone so far away from feel. It's like all algorithmic, data driven. And look, always bringing it back to my team. That's what the, what everyone is praising Bruce Bochy about with the Texas Rangers is feel. He knew yeah. when to pull a guy, when to bring a new guy in, who was hot, and he listened to the data. He heard it. He incorporated it as feedback, but it didn't turn him into a robot. Yeah, and and look, I, I want to make sure everybody understands what I'm saying. It's, it's not just when – I'm not saying that you go and, hey, hey, I'm going to – put this pig guts out and however it lands, I'm going to choose my quarterback. I'm not saying like, like old school, like medieval times. It's just at the end of the day, when it comes down to that final choice, right? A lot, it's a draft day situation. Kevin Costner, how did he fix the Browns? We all know he did it. He did it off field. Like, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it, it is a balance, right? It, it's a, it's a, it's a multi-pronged recipe, but I think a lot of it is you, at the end of the day, you have to trust your instincts. Cause well, if I'm going down, I'm going down my way, brother. I'm just sitting here thinking we should do this at some point here on, on, on the Will Cain show. Who has the most uh, fictional career achievements? Kevin Costner has fought for his ranch in Montana. He has mm-hmm. saved the world from a flood and water world. He has uh, danced with III. wolves. He has danced with wolves and he has saved the Cleveland Browns. I mean, put that on his resume fictionally. He saved I mean, the Cleveland Browns. Will Jonah Hill change baseball by bringing a calculator to a meeting? So, <laughs> like, I mean, if we're going to be honest, and outside of that, I, I think we can all agree Rudy was offsides, but that's a story for another day. I'm not going to. But get no, into what that. I want now is I want Denzel's fictional resume. Like, what mm. have you done? And I want, I want Brad Pitt and Tom. Tom Cruise is going to run away with it. He saved America how many times? You know, and yeah. so like his fictional resume is going to be unassailable. Well, like, but he doesn't have. Does he have versatility? Does he have the diversity of Kevin Costner? I mean, the, the Browns thing really makes him a, a five-tool player, a, a I mean, utility look, guy in the saving the world fictional sweepstakes. Nobody showed up to old dude's birthday party. That's feel if I've ever seen it. That's feel <laughs> if I've ever seen it. But the one that'll blow your mind. Wait till you see Jake Gyllenhaal's fictional resume. It's uh, it's gonna it's gonna throw you for quite the loop. I mean, the dude's like been an ambulance driver. We all know what happened on the mountain, all type of stuff. It's, uh, it's a pretty crazy uh, pretty Jarhead. Crazy uh, Jarhead. I mean, look, he's also Spider. Like, didn't he try and kill Spider Man? I mean, that's at least what I heard. <laughs> um, the biggest piece of fiction ever was trying to convince us that Christian Bale as Batman was going to date Maggie Gyllenhaal. That wasn't the top of his <laughs> abilities. Like, I mean, please, if you're going to cast it, and there's nothing wrong with Maggie Gyllenhaal, but it's Christian Bale and it's Bruce Wayne and it's Batman. He had some other prospects. He wasn't going to be head over heels and like forlorn for Maggie Gyllenhaal. It's Wonder Woman or bust. I mean, let's be honest. If if I'm if I'm that rich and that nuts, I'm not hanging out with Jake Gyllenhaal's sister. Like, (laughs) hey, can hey, hold on. Let's go to Milan for a couple weeks. Let me figure this out. Alfred, just handle business. Houston Texans, Baltimore Ravens. It's Ravens minus nine and a half. Jake, what do you got? Look, I think the Texans have been a great story. CJ Stroud, it's an incredible story. But so is Little Red Riding Hood, and we know what happened to her. You're playing against the Ravens' most complete team, I think, right now, uh, playing complimentary football in all three phases. Give me the Ravens. Uh, I like the over in this game, but I do like Baltimore to cover. I think CJ does make a couple mistakes, but a very bright future in Houston.
I'm going to play the money line. I like I like the Ravens. Green Bay Packers, San Francisco 49ers. It's same line. 49ers minus nine and a half. Here's the thing. Obviously, I'm not the most objective voice to weigh in on the Packers at this point. But I actually think it works the other way with me. I Not to soften how horrific the Dallas Cowboys played on Sunday, but I actually think the Packers looked really good as well. And Jordan Love, I'm, I'm, what was there to say? He... He's really good. At this point, we just have to admit that. And I'm kind of feeling the Packers here mm. um, against the Niners, Jake. Hey, look, house money. I get the Texans are playing with house money, too. But one of the, the best thing that happened to the Packers was that they destroyed the Cowboys. The worst thing that happened to the Packers was that they destroyed the Cowboys. Because the 49ers, you look at Shanahan, they've been practicing for the Packers since the second quarter of that Cowboys game. There's no sneaking up on San Francisco in this one after what you did last game. Uh, I'm interested to see how, how Matt LaFleur adjusts to the adjustments. I think the Niners uh, come out and play some, play some of their best ball of the year. Uh, again, Christian McCaffrey, you've had time to rest him. That defensive line, I mean, it's basically like going into Mordor. I mean, they're just popping out of the ground in the mud, just grabbing you. So uh, give me the Niners. I think Jordan Love, two, Will. Remember I said this, two pick sixes. Two pick sixes. Two pick sixes. Um, give me the Packers plus nine and a half Buccaneers lions. It's lions minus six and a half. Uh, it's, everyone can relax. It's not outdoors. It's not going to be super cold. <laughs> <What an> awful question. <laughs> you don't know what I'm referencing. A reporter, uh, asked, um, asked the Todd Bowles, the Buccaneers head coach, how are you going to prepare for this? And he kind of listened to it and he's like, uh, it's going to be in a dome. The yes. same way it's been for 50 years in Detroit. Uh, so Jared Goff's one of my favorite stories, Jake, of the year. And I'm having a hard time not just pulling for him. And But I actually think the Lions are the better team. And I, and I'll, I take the Lions over the Bucks. Look, I agree with you. Jared Goff, a.k.a. the gumball smugglers, we call him on, on Crane and Company. Uh, I, I just love Dan Campbell. What is that man? based I, on? His, ja- his jaw? His cheeks. It looks like he's, he's either you know about to go hibernate and he's, he's storing acorns for the winter. He's smuggling gumballs. That's what we call him. And it's worked <laughs> I never for him. noticed having, that. He's, yeah, he's, I'm telling you, you'll never be able to not see it again. Uh, look, I, I love what Baker and them have done this year at the Buccaneers. They're grimy. They're gritty. They're nasty, right? They're like the six and a half with a great personality and can cook really good. But at the end of the day, look, it's, it's a wave right now in Detroit. They haven't been this excited in Flint and Detroit since Jackie Moondy did what he did with the Tropics, speaking about fictional accomplishments. Uh, I do like the I never Lions. saw that. Never you saw never it. saw Semi-Pro? Can I just tell you why? So I think Will Ferrell is funny. I think all of those movies are great, uh, like Talladega Nights. I started to feel like they were the same and they're repetitive. I can see that. And so by the time it got to, it's semi-pro, right? Yeah, it's semi-pro. Which, by the way, is the title of a famous Dan Jenkins novel about sports and football from the 70s, which is a great book. But um, it, yeah, I just kind of was done with it. I was done with the bit. And so I could be missing out. I'm not telling you it's not good. I just never did semi-pro. Well, I mean, look, uh, just corn dogs, Jackie, corn dogs. Uh, everybody out there knows what I'm talking about, uh, except Will Kane, who hadn't seen the movie, which, I, you know, I get it, I guess. I, I like the Lions at home. I think they find a way. I expect a big day from Amon Ross St. Brown. Was glad to see Sam Laporte out there running around. Uh, was going to hate that if he missed that game. But it's just the Lions, man. They seem like they're, they're a team of destiny. Right, it's been a golden path with the way it worked out in the division, with the other teams being down and injuries and things like that. And, and they got a good, good football team, but they're going to go as far as that defense takes them. Luckily for them, the Buccaneers really just have Mike Evans and uh, a decent run game. 
All right, finally, and this one's tough. It's Kansas City Chiefs at, that's the key, at Buffalo Bills. Bills minus two and a half. Um, Kansas City, I don't know, throughout this whole, I guess, dynastic run, I was trying to read, Did they have they won a road playoff game? Because they, they haven't had to play them, I don't think. God, it feels like they've played every game at home yeah. out, outside of the Super Bowl. Um, but, but on the other hand, I do feel like, I can't remember in November they played, and honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head who won. Bills Chiefs who won that game uh I believe I believe the Chiefs won it and um, so the I'm Bills where that game is where the Bills game have had trouble um you know cracking the nut of the top team in the AFC so it's really hard for me uh, by the way I don't think Kansas City's as good as they have been in the past yeah. I, I just um but it's still it's still Patrick Mahomes yeah, and, and obviously they're going to play this game in in Buffalo which that's why it was huge they're able to to win the division here's here's when I look at this matchup and I look at the Bills Chiefs, it seems like with Josh Allen and the Bills that Kansas City, it's like the movie It, right? And Patrick Mahomes is Pennywise. Like Josh Allen, they'll have a great regular season or they'll have an okay regular season, win the AFC East, a lot of momentum, and he wins that, that first playoff game. Then all of a sudden he walks out to the parking lot and he just sees that red balloon go up in the air. And all of a sudden, here come the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and they can never get past them. At some right. point, Will, you and the squad got to go down in the well and kill this guy. He's wounded right now, right? Yeah, you left Derry 40 years ago, but you came back, and now's your chance to take out Pennywise and Patrick Mahomes because they aren't that good, Will. I know they weren't that good last year, but they're worse this year than they were last year. Right. And you got him at home. Did you have to take the goat path that the hunchback showed you to finally take out Leonidas? Yeah, it wasn't through the hot gates, but you got there, right? Jeez. You won the division. Oh, uh, Will, so I, many I, analogies and movie this. references. I'm, this is how I speak. In, this is how I speak, man. This is how we grew up. You actually but won it, me over. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a you, Josh Allen fan. I want him to get over the hump at some point. It's time, Will. It's time. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. Give me the Bills at home. Um, I think Josh Allen does it with his legs, which again is is. He's a refrigerator running with the ball in cold weather. Who wants to tackle that guy? Man, somebody had a really good analogy for him. It was like, he's a monster truck rally meets, who was it that tweeted this? Monster truck rally, or a, a, he had a monster energy drink, all, and then something else that was not as flattering, all mixed together, Josh Allen. But you just won me over, man. I mean, like, I was scared to... to, to you know, run through the hot gates against Patrick Mahomes, but I'm ready to ride for Josh Allen. I'm ready. This is the one. This is the moment. The goat path, Will. Sometimes this you is it take right now. Goat path. Lift your shield. You All right, I'm on it. I'm taking the Bills minus two and a half Love against it. the Chiefs at home. Man, this has been a lot of fun. Everyone should check out Jake uh, Crane and Company Daily Wire. They have a sports show that you don't want to miss, and Lady Ballers, um, mm-hmm. their movie where Jake has taken his movie star turn. Unfortunately, yes. his fictional resume at this point doesn't quite compete with uh kevin costner uh not yet not yet i'm just i'm just trying to get it trying to be i'm trying to be the joker in three years so this is a good start but uh will no this has been this has been a ton of fun uh obviously got a ton of respect for your work uh we need to get you on crane and company at some point but uh always down to come on and uh let's see if those picks work out and hopefully i gave you enough movie analogies for uh, a couple weeks <laughs> it'll sustain me thanks jake take care appreciate it will there you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jay Crane. Again, check him out at the Daily Wire Plus. The Daily Show is Crane and Company. And check out the movie Lady Ballers. I will see you again on Monday. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcast And Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. 